Hi folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, as always, whatever y'all are up to today. I appreciate you joining me and giving me a little bit of your time each day. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast with others and tell them about it and help it to grow, I'm very humbled and grateful by that, as always. Hopefully it helps y'all a little bit, helps our country a little bit. We're going to take one of our walks today, a little bit different place, a little bit different background noise you'll notice for those of y'all that pay attention to that. And we'll get going. So this this podcast is something that popped up out of nowhere. Uh, it's based entirely on a probably about a 15 second clip that I saw, listened to, and it just brought something to mind. We've talked about it before on this podcast, and we'll talk talk about it again uh, multiple times, I'm sure, but uh, I just felt the need to hit it again, so. And then I'm going to talk about that clip at the very end, uh, and then I'll kind of try and I'll, I'll get there, folks. So we're going to talk about uh, one of the things that is absolutely destroying the country today, and that is the destruction of the family unit. And we're going to talk about a couple quotes from some of our founders, uh, talk about some statistics very briefly uh, on the brokenness of families and kind of try, I'm going to tie all this into to this little clip and hopefully you'll see why. So depending on where you go, uh, I pulled a couple articles from the last two to five years uh, that cited census data, uh, a number of different, you can go out and look for this information, but as best I can tell, the overall divorce rate for the country uh, has fallen within the last few years. It's not to say that's going to be a permanent trend, but it has. But when you dig into it, some, there's still about half of first marriages end in divorce. So that first marriage category, it's still about 50% of those marriages end in divorce. And you have to dig in a little bit more than that, too, because the overall marriage rate. So there was an article that came out. I don't know. I think it was 2020. It was talking about how the divorce rate had hit the lowest ever in 2019. But then when you dig into it a little bit deeper, you see that not only has the divorce rate, but also the marriage rate. And so those two are tied together, folks. So if that doesn't make sense to you, if you have less marriages, right, and you just happen to have more that stay together, then that divorce rate is going to look a lot lower than it is, relatively speaking. I'll see if I can unpack this a little bit. So. 
let me go over one. One of the divorce categories, though, that was kind of disturbing to me that's climbing is gray divorce, what they call like over the 50s, you know, and they break that down into different groups, like 55 to 65, 65 and over, right? It's doubling and even tripling in some of those age categories. Uh, the babies born out of wedlock, about a third of all children born in the United States are born out of wedlock. And and it's it's been rising for a while in, in some demographics, depending on if you're look what kind of race or ethnicity groups you're looking at, it has tripled over the last, say, 40 years, 50 years. And so what is, what, how does this tie in? So if you go out and you can find this in any number of different places, your children from your intact biological families, meaning the first marriage and both mom and dad are still at home, statistically across, and it's a huge spectrum, folks. I just picked a few things. But they're, they're less likely to drop out of school. They're less likely to become a teen parent. They're less likely to be arrested. They're less likely to be unemployed. They're more likely to finish college if they start college. Uh, they're more likely to stay married themselves. The list is really shocking. I mean, it's just, it's a huge spectrum of categories where children in that first marriage with, with both parents at home do better in these categories. So we've got a problem, we've got a huge problem and it's a growing problem. And that's the brokenness of our families. So let me go back to what our, our country has historically said. Uh, I've read this Supreme Court decision a number of times. Uh, it's a Supreme Court case out of 1885 out of the Utah territory at that time, Murphy versus Ramsey. And this is talking about polygamy to start with, folks, but you'll understand at the end. Every person who has a husband or wife living and marries another is guilty of polygamy and shall be punished. For certainly no legislation can be supposed more wholesome and necessary in the founding of a free, self-governing commonwealth fit to take rank as one of the coordinate states of the Union than that which seeks to establish it on the basis of the idea of the family, as consisting in and springing from the Union for Life of one man and one woman in the holiest state of matrimony, the sure foundation of all that is stable and noble in our civilization the best guarantee of that reverent morality, which is the source of all beneficent progress in social and political improvement. So they're saying one man, one woman, that's your marriage. You can't have more than that. It's not two men. It's not two women. It's not anything else. Uh, and it's really interesting here, the, the part about the punishment, there used to be not just social, but also there could be civil, you know, or, or, or law punishments for polygamy. Still is today, right? But the point is the U.S. Supreme Court affirmed how important marriage was to the country. Uh, I'm not going to read the Ronald Reagan quote today, but that one's also a great one. We've talked about a number of times. Reagan mentioned that the the family was the cornerstone. The strength of the family is the strength of the nation. So, and I've read these two, 
we'll go back to it though again. Uh, during the French Revolution, one of the things they did is they made divorce super easy. They made it as easy to get divorced as it was to get married. It, it just wasn't that big a deal. And, and they thought that this was this great idea, but our founders did not. It was one of the things that they really rejected about the French Revolution because a huge part of the French Revolution, the, the socialists, leftists, communists, Nazis, fascists, that they all, all ties together here is they rejected biblical principles across the board in the French Revolution, which was occurring just a few years after our revolution. So Alexander Hamilton commenting on this, the fact that it was so easy to get divorced. It is among the singular and fantastic vagaries, which means just freakish whims, of the French Revolution that a new law of divorce was passed, which makes it as easy for a husband to get rid of his wife and a wife of her husband as to discard a worn out habit. Those marriage ties are the chief links of domestic and ultimately of social attachment. John Quincy Adams writing his wife about the same topic. It is one of the quote wise unquote discoveries of the French Revolution that the marriage vow is absurd because it promises love for life, which say they, the French, is promising what is not within our own power. I remember that when the great regenerating French National Convention passed their law to make divorce just as easy as marriage, this was the decisive and triumphant argument with them. Yet the very same men who could not promise to love anything for life unanimously took within a week afterwards an oath of eternal hatred to monarchy. They could vow to hate, not to love. Their objection, however, is not true. Honest and virtuous minds can promise to love for life and can perform the promise. Thousands and thousands of examples prove it. But when the heart has long been wallowing in the kernels of corruption, it infects the understanding. John Quincy Adams, our president there, was saying that if you really have a virtuous heart and mind uh, and you don't have this easy access to marriage, right, which we'll talk about, or divorce, I'm sorry, which we'll talk about in just a second. But of course you can love for life. There's just thousands, there's millions of examples throughout our history, the history of the world and the history of our country. I'm sure that y'all can think of some in your own families. There are, of course, examples where two people can love each other for life. And so the idea here in the French Revolution that they can't, and this is an idea often pushed by the left, right? Anything to break down the family. It's just absurd. It's absolutely ludicrous. Of course we can stay married. Of course we can. It's just a matter of whether we really want to or not, or whether we want to be selfish and do what we want to do. So <clears throat> one more. Uh, this is from James Wilson, one of our founding fathers as well. But of causes which are light or trivial, a divorce should by no means be permitted to be the effect. When divorce can be summoned, a state of marriage becomes frequently a state of war. And so what he was getting at is when divorce is super easy, you don't have any reason to stick it out and try and fight it, you know, and make it better to work at it. When you can just go say, oh, well, it just doesn't work anymore. Then often the things in marriage where, where you would typically work on it, they become points of contention, hostility, and war. 
and you're just looking for an excuse to move on to greener pastures, as they say. So I'm going to read a, just a little excerpt here, folks, from the Founder's Bible. Uh, again, you don't have a copy of that. Highly, highly recommend it, along with Patriot's Bible and the American Encyclopedia, God and Country Encyclopedia quotes. Uh, try and touch on those each episode, just because I think, at least for me, they have been so eye-opening, and I think uh, they really would be for a lot of people, a large percentage of the people across the country. Um, definitely should be in classroom. So this is just a little excerpt from uh, the Founder's Bible. The Bible's position on marriage and divorce remained American policy for 350 years. But in the 1960s, the U.S. Supreme Court began issuing a series of unprecedented rulings requiring the expulsion of religious principles from public policy and the exclusion of religious expressions from the public arena. Shortly thereafter, in 1969, America's first no-fault divorce law was passed. Today, every state has such a law. We've, that, that as Reagan said, marriage has, has always, or the family, the strength of the family is the strength of the country. And, and the strength of the family, folks, now this is me talking, not Reagan right here, but I'm sure that he would, I, I can't imagine he would disagree with this point in the context of the speech he was giving. The strength of families is the strength of marriage. If you have a strong marriage, you're going to have a strong family. If you have a weak marriage, you're going to have a, a weak family. And so how does this all tie in? Uh, why did I get into this? Because this clip I saw that really was about 15 seconds, it was a comedian, folks. So, you know, on the surface, it's like, okay, well, this, you know, this is, doesn't have any real weight. But uh, I can't remember the Bible verse right now, but you can find wisdom uh, in some pretty strange places. Uh, I think it's out of the mouths of babes, something along those lines. But I, I may be getting things twisted around. The point is, and, and I've heard somebody say this, a, a pretty famous comedian at some point, say that there's there's always a little truth, at least a little truth in comedy. And often there's a great deal of truth in comedy. You listen to certain comedians. Well, this one told this story. He and his wife, who was an American, they're, they're both Americans. And then his brother, who was also an American, and his wife, who was a uh, Brazilian, immigrated to America. They all went on this holiday. Uh, summer vacation or something up to the beach and he said we get there and he said my brother's wife this Brazilian woman she's nine months eight months pregnant right just almost ready to deliver the baby we get there she's cooked a meal for everybody there there were more there were other family there were there were like 10 or 15 people there a handful of kids he said she's cooked a meal she's cleaning she's disciplining the kids at the same time the house is running uh, just freakishly smooth. And he said, I, I, she's just going nonstop and, and doing all this stuff. And he said, I finally pulled her aside. I said, what? How, do, how do you do all this? What are you, what are you doing? And, and she said, and he, he pulled a Brazilian accent that I won't even try, folks. But he said, she looked at him and she said, uh, whatever his name was, John. She said, it may surprise you, but down in Brazil, 
we're raised as little girls to become good wives. And the comedian goes talking to the crowd and he goes, and I just, on the inside, I'm like, oh, he goes up here. Our, our girls are, are taught to train their husbands to be good wives. And uh, obviously folks, I'm not a comedian. Y'all wouldn't be listening to me for that. Nobody had listened to the podcast. The delivery was great. But the guy brought up two phenomenal points, and that's that's the whole reason that we did this today. One, the last one, feminism, has completely taken the the arrangement that God created of Christ, man, wife, children, and rearranged it to put woman before all of it. And it's killing us, folks. It's absolutely killing us. And that's a whole topic in and of itself, and we, we hit it every once in a while. But the other thing is, the thing that really struck me was was the Brazilian was his sister-in-law saying, we're raised as little girls, we're taught how to be good wives. And, and we don't do that, folks. Uh, we do not do that as a country at all. For boys or girls, we do not teach our young men how to be good husbands, and we do not teach our young girls how to be good wives. That is just not a primary goal in this society anymore. And, and man, there's no real soft way to do this, folks. You think about those of y'all that listen that have kids uh, or that are thinking about having kids. How many hours do we put into our children taking them up and down the road to sporting events? How many hours each day do we send them off to a school that that teaches nothing about God or marriage or sex that teaches all the secular subjects though, you know, science, art, history, whatever you want to say, but there's no real input. Even in those subjects, there's no input of God. And that's certainly not the center of the education. How many hours do our kids spend in front of a iPad or an iPhone or a TV or even just reading books, though, but books for entertainment. How much time do we spend really teaching them how to be a good husband or a good wife? And, and here's, you know, to follow that, that obvious, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, the, the, the way that the world is ordered and was built to be ordered of Christ, God, man, or I'm sorry, Christ, man, woman, child. That's so blatantly obvious to anybody that's being sincere. Anytime you get together with a group of people, you can see how the structure is supposed to be in your own homes. You can see how the structure is supposed to work. And when it gets out of whack, you notice it. It doesn't take long at all to go to a family where the woman, we joke about this all the time today, right? Where the woman wears the pants. It doesn't take you, it doesn't take 10 minutes probably to go to a family like that and see how dysfunctional it really is. And yet we don't teach our children what it's supposed to look like. And how do we teach them? Well, we teach them by example, right? The Marine Corps always hammered that. They hammered, you lead by example, lead by example, lead by example. So, Think about our own marriages. How are we exemplifying this? Are we exemplifying these roles and this hierarchy, this God-given hierarchy for 
marriage and for sex and for family, you know? And, and of course, that goes back to, are we, are we really invested in this marriage? Is it our second priority each day after God? Do we put all of our effort and thought after focusing on how to live for God? Do we put all of that into focusing on how to be the best spouse that we can be? Is our spouse, husband or wife, you know, the New Testament verse talks about the husband being concerned with pleasing the wife and the wife being concerned with pleasing the husband. Are they our second priority truly every day in actions? Do you wake up in the morning, pray to God, and then go, what do I need to do today to love my spouse? How do I need to work them into my schedule? Where do I need to carve out time today to make sure that I have time, right, to focus on them? And I've got to jump around here real quick. This all goes back again to that 1940 decision from the Supreme Court on separation of church and state, because that's when in the 60s, as that excerpt from the Founders Bible talked about, that's when we started expulling, expulling, you know, getting rid of God and the biblical values for the family out of education, out of public policy and institutions across the board. It all goes back to this. We've rejected this. We've added in no-fault divorce. We've added in, you know, have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. And we've taken God out of the picture. And so we've become, and we've become this two-income society, right? We've become the society that thinks we have to have the income of two people in order to survive. So we've taken mom out of the home. And then we look up and we wonder why all those statistics I read back at the very beginning, why are they occurring? Because we're not making it a priority to live out marriages where our spouse is our second priority only behind God. And we're not exemplifying this leading and teaching our children, the next generation, what it looks like. So they have no idea. And they go into marriage blind. And then the cycle just continues. Uh, this is obviously, you know, we come back and hit this every so often. It's a huge topic. I can't cover it in one podcast, even though I've kept y'all for too long today. Um, but it's just that, that routine by that comedian and that woman saying, you know, well, this may surprise you, but we're taught as young children how to become good wives. We are not doing that with our sons and daughters as a nation today, folks, with very few exceptions when you look at the percentages. If nothing else, you listen to this podcast today, see if you can work that into, I'm talking to myself here, folks, too. We need to see if we can work in. We, we can. That's such, I fell into it. We need to figure out how every day to work in our spouse as our second priority so that our kids grow up seeing what a real marriage is supposed to look like. And hopefully the next generation is a little bit better off than this family. God bless y'all. God bless your families and your marriages. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it. Sure do appreciate it.